Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 14. And um, we are going to look at a passage, only about 10 verses this morning. Um, But uh, I think it will be, um, hopefully, um, it will be very helpful to your lives. I mean, uh, whatever you bring in this room, uh, whatever you're coming with this morning, uh, whatever struggle you might have, uh, whatever circumstance you might be in, I, I, I believe this passage can help, and I, I'm excited about that. Um, and when we're going to read this in a, in a second, but, you know, Jesus ultimately in this passage, he talks about um, uh, relationships, our relationship with him. And, um, you know, as I'm thinking about relationships in this kind of modern slash postmodern world we live in, um, I think a lot of relationships can be used as leverage. Like I'll be in a relationship with this person or I'll lie with that group of people because that will serve me well. Um, nowhere was this more illustrated than when I was 13 and watching Can't Buy Me Love and Cindy Mancini, who I had a crush on. She was this beautiful blonde And Patrick Dempsey was a young guy in this movie, and he was a nerd. And he thought, if I give Cindy Mancini $2,000, you know what? This beautiful leather outfit that her mom had that she wore she shouldn't have, she'll she'll be able to replace it. But Patrick Dempsey's thought was, if I can get Cindy Mancini to say that we're boyfriend and girlfriend, it will change it will, it will change my entire high school experience. And voila, he dates Cindy Mancini for two weeks. No longer is he stuck in nerd status. He is the man. Relationships for him, it was leverage. I got to use this to get to my goal. And Jesus sees this. He sees people using him, others, for leverage. And we're walking through the book of John, but ultimately we're walking to his very death. And Jesus is trying to communicate to his people, no, no, okay, I need to really tell you what this is about. Um, I, need to, I need to speak in a new and even bolder way. So this is uh, John fourteen five. Thomas starts off our passage. This is Doubting Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least 
Believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. I believe Jesus is saying this. Personally knowing God is your solution that you need this morning for whatever ails you bring in. That God, knowing God is the solution. It is the first thing. It is the priority. It is through which everything in your life was designed to flow. And if you um, exchange that for anything, like when I become obsessed with need, or you might come in with a problem, and that is what it's about. Or you have intellectual questions, and you're bringing them to the Word right now. That's your point. Or uh, you want to know yourself better. What Jesus is saying, what God is saying, what the Bible is saying to us, is knowing Him a little won't do. He is what? Knowing God is the core of Christianity. And we always make the distinction between um, religion and relationship. But knowing God, being in a relationship with Christ is the point. And so when you see him interact with Philip, let's put up, put up that uh, passage again. This is Philip's question to Jesus, right? He's been with him for a long time. Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. What's Jesus' response? Wait, don't you know me? Wait, what? I mean, this implicates us. I mean, essentially what Jesus is saying is, do you not know that you can be busy and zealous at church? You can be the best volunteer You can be up here singing or playing an instrument. You can be up here talking about Jesus. You can be um, full of knowledge. You can go to seminary, right? And how many many guys that I I have in my seminary class, they went on to Ivy League schools. Some of them flat in love with Jesus. Some of them, the point was the PhD. The point was the knowledge to get them to the place where they wanted to go. Jesus is saying, Philip, remember, there's a difference between informational knowledge, informational knowing, and personal knowing. There is a big distinction. And that is um, what I need to talk to you about. See, you can watch, right? And you can study Jesus, and you can watch him, or you can read about him. You might even eavesdrop on conversations about him. And you can obtain a lot of knowledge. You can know a lot of Bible trivia. But Jesus says, there's that kind of knowing, but then there's the personal knowing. And I know you may know all the facts, but wait, did you risk with Jesus? Did, did, did you personally disclose your stuff 
to Jesus? Did, did you spend a lot of time with Jesus? Did you commit your life to Jesus? If those things are bypassed, you have informational knowledge, but you don't have personal knowledge. It's the difference between, you know, sitting down with someone at Starbucks and saying, okay, so where are you from? Uh, are, you, are you married? Uh, are, do you have kids? What's your job? What's your university? What's, what's this? Okay, facts, facts, facts. There's the resume. There's this. We've done this, done this, done this. And then you make a decision. Are you going to talk to each other about really what makes you tick? It's the difference in the movie Goodwill Hunting, where the one professor from MIT wanted Will and wanted to know a lot about Will and wanted to know what Will knew about. And that wasn't doing anything to help Will. And you, the big contrast in that movie is then there's, and this is the Ivy or the MIT guy, and then you have this kind of blue collar, you know, Robin Williams, Juco professor of psychology who sits in, in a room and cuts all the junk out and says, wait, 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 I saw your, I saw your, uh, your file here. You're, you're a beaten kid. You're a beaten kid. And he had to make a decision if he was going to go there and if he was going to talk about it. And you see him go there and experience that and disclose and he risked. And they, they went to that place of knowing, of Robin Williams knowing Matt Damon. And that's what made that movie just sing. And when Jesus comes to his disciples... And he looks at Philip and he goes, you know what? It's not just possible that you could hang out around me and know a lot about me, but, but, but not know me. He goes, it's becoming the norm in churches today where people will get data about Jesus. They will have informational knowledge. They could do okay on a Bible trivia contest and they don't know, they don't know him at all. And Jesus is worried about this. Jesus, three chapters later, says this. Do you want to know what eternal life is? Eternal life is this. It is um, knowing God. It's not the point or the, or the destination of life. It is life. And this is, uh, you know, for, for these disciples, this is blowing their minds again. Wait, wait. Wait, to, to be there, with, to, know, to know me. To be in relationship is life, right? Hey, rewind to 750 BC. There's this prophet, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 9, what's happening is Israel's been conquered by Babylon, which is present-day Iraq. And they're, they're basically leaving Jerusalem, and there's this trail of tears to Iraq. They've lost their homes, they've lost the temple, and they're weeping, right? And Jeremiah's weeping, and they've lost faith. And they're going to Babylon... And they're beginning to look at things like riches and um, really, really muscular guys, strong guys. And they're looking at um, wise, quote, academic people. And here's what Jeremiah says to them. Listen, Israelites, remember this. Um, Let not the rich boast in their riches ever. Never, ever should Bill Gates or... um, 
Mark Zuckerberg or Sam Walton ever, I don't know where they stand, I'm just saying, but rich men, should they never boast in their riches? The, the, the academic dean at Harvard, he says, let not the wise boast in their wisdom. They should never boast in their wisdom. Let not the strong, right? Let not the, you know, the, the, the gladiators of our day, let, you know, these, these, these 3% body fat linebackers that we all like, whoa, let the mighty never boast in their might. He says, the only thing I want you to boast in is in knowing me. I mean, Jeremiah, as they're leaving, just, that's the only thing that you can boast in. And Jesus is, I mean, he is laying it on the line. The Bible is claiming here, Jesus is claiming that what? That there is nothing compared to the thrills and the satisfaction of personally knowing him. And that's what's offered. Personally knowing him. And so what is a Christian? A Christian comes in here this morning and you're not singing a song with Paul leading us. That's not what this that's not what a Christian does. He doesn't sing a song. Paul's leading us and, you know, um, you know, we got a really good band and that sounds good. No, no. You are singing praises to an audience of one who is God. And you are proclaiming with your singing voice that he is the sovereign, that he is the supreme. Right. A Christian. Here's what a Christian does. A Christian. Right. When you might lose your job. Right when, oh my goodness, I think my marriage is failing. Oh my goodness, my kid has actually been doing all this and I had no idea. Those moments of sheer panic that we have. She's going to break up with me and she's my life. We go to God. He, he is the most personal. He is the closest thing to us. That's what Jesus is saying. So Philip, you've been hanging out with me, but have you been here, man? You, you've been with me, but have you been with me? Why would you be asking this question? It's implicating your heart. It implicates my heart. Jesus says to you and to me, he says this, I came, I died, I rose again, I ascended, and we said it, and I went down and I sat, I sat down next to my dad, next to the father. And I did that so that you might know him, my father. That's why I did it. I, I did it that you would know him. But I know what happens, right? Some of you are having thoughts right now. And I hear you. Um, you, you, say, you say things like this. Does really, Frank? Come on, man. I mean, does Christianity have to be this personal? Like, this is, come on, that's uh, it's uncool. Does, I mean, it's a bit confusing. Does it have to be this demanding? Does it have to be this exclusive? I mean, does, does it really have to be? What does the Bible say? You know what? If that's what you're saying, it is too personal for you. This isn't for you. It's, it's way too personal. Because you know what the Bible says? You know what the New Testament says? The New Testament says, I can't even speak to you about anything. I am pointless to you, the Bible says, until you answer this question. Who is Jesus? You cannot open the Bible and it will not be helpful and it will not be purposeful until you answer that question, who is Jesus? And that's hard because we know that knowing Christ will bring difficulties. This is a tension-filled sermon. This is supposed to bring tension to our lives. 
Because others of us say, you know what bugs me? But before you go there, Frank, no, stop. Before you go there, Bible, I got a couple of intellectual and psychological questions, like evil and suffering in the world. Explain it. Um, you know what? I was 10, and uh, yeah, my uncle, uncool. Why? I mean, what the heck? Um, before I go there, what about all these other people that have never heard about Christ and live in Timbuktu? What about them? Are, are you telling me that I have to turn the other cheek? I have no idea how to do that. I can't love my enemies. What, how, how would someone ever do that? We say, you know what else bugs me? Wait, if I become a Christian, am I going to have to change my politics? Do I have to change from this party to that party or that party to this party? I mean, what, what, what's going to happen? Tell me, tell me what Christianity is going to do. I mean, I've got this habit, and they're pills, man. And I want to know what to do with this habit that enslaves me. We bring these questions. You know what the gospel says to that? No, no, no. Wait, no, no, no. Stop. We bring these questions. He says, no, no, no. Um, none of that will make any sense unless you answer this question. Is Jesus your king? The whole New Testament will sound like uh, Greek to you. You will not be able to comprehend it until you decide if Jesus is king. Is he really the son of a living God? Right? Not, not some, you know, God of some idol up on the mantle there. And, and if your answer is yes, has it moved from informational to personal? And what the Bible says is if that's happened, then by implication, Jesus has to be the central figure of your life. The most important figure in, in your world. The one you think about. The one who does, who you talk to, who you know when you're about ready to say something you shouldn't or about ready to sin, you think about that. And he still forgives us. And he loves us no matter what. And that's unbelievable. But he is your number one relationship. That's what Jesus is saying. And until, right, you decide this and you make a personal connection, the Bible says, I really can't speak to you. I, I have nothing to say until that happens, until that's real. That's what the Bible says. I can't really speak to you. I mean, it would be the equivalent of you going to Barnes and Nobles, which don't exist anymore, um, or some bookstore, and going to the, the self-help section. That, I mean, it's, it's de facto that. It's not the Bible. But, you know, other people say, well, you know what, Frank, wait, wait, before you do that, um, if, if Christianity is a philosophy, um, why wouldn't you answer questions? And the response to that, it's not. It's a relationship. In John 3, Nicodemus, right, the Old Testament scholar, went to Jesus and said, how in the world are we supposed to do this religion? And you know what Jesus says? It's not a religion. It's a relationship with me. Nicodemus, you don't even know what you're talking about. And other people, they come to the Bible and they say, but what about my needs, Frank? What about my needs, God? And if Christianity was therapy, then maybe. But Christianity isn't therapy. Christianity is a relationship. And Jesus is trying to, to uh, 
to, to get Thomas and Philip and James and John and Peter to understand. It's about knowing him and knowing the Father. I've mentioned this movie before, but it's the story of us, and it's an older movie with Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer, and they're married, and it's a story of a troubled marriage. And they're doing all the things like taking their kids to camp and doing all these things, and they never, ever what? They never focused on the relationship. And what Jesus is saying is, you can do all this stuff. Philip, you can walk with me. You can see, you can watch me do these miracles. You can see me feed the 5,000 or do whatever, walk on water. But unless you talk about this, this personal connection, uh, I mean, what's the point? Um, You know, and so if you're there and you're asking the question, okay, well, well, then how the heck, Frank? God, tell me, how can I go to him personally? How do I make it from an informational to a personal connection. How would one do that? I mean, I think you have to get to the point where you're where you doubt your doubts enough that you look at Jesus and you get a sense of who he is and you read some. But then here's what you have to do. You have to talk to God. You have to speak to God. How do I know, Frank, if I have gone from informational to personal? Talk to him. Talk to God. Say something like, hey, are you, God, really the one who is to come? Are you that God? And if you are, show me. Help me. Do something in my life. Jesus, if you are there, do something. And I think... I believe with everything that I have is that he will. And that you will see your life change. But it's not about information. And Philip, I'm nervous, man. Thomas, I'm nervous. People at Westtown, I'm nervous. This suburban life, we can want to know a lot of things about God. And you, you, man, my kids went to VBS and we did it. And we, we're, we're going to church now and we're with the, oh. That's the stuff. Those aren't bad things. Those are good things only if the relationship is there. But if the relationship isn't there, if you don't have a personal connection with God, if you are not talking to God relationally, it doesn't work. I want you to think back a few weeks. John 7. Here's what was going on. There's a bunch of critics of Jesus. And they're sitting in the back room, if you will. And they're like, yeah, Jesus says this, and he says that, and he says this, and he says that. And you hear he said this, and he gave this talk, and yeah, I guess he did this miracle. And in come these like two officers, or maybe three, I don't know how many there were. And they're sitting around talking about him. And then they look to the officers and they say, hey, go get Jesus for us. Like, go get him and bring him back here. What happens? All you know is the officers go, experience Jesus, and they come back to these fellows without Jesus. And you know what they say? You know, you know what their response is? Hey, boss, I ain't never heard anything like this. Like, you talked about him a lot. I had information about him. But, dude, I went and I was with him. I ain't never seen anything like this. I'm not bringing him back. Are you kidding me? I am changed. I am a different person. 
And I think some of us, we front with an intellectual question. We say, this is the issue. But the truth is, so many of us, we just don't want to look silly if we do this thing with Jesus. We don't want to look stupid, right? We, we, um, We don't like what my life might look like. And this passage says, be honest. You cannot fake it with him. You cannot. Ju- that's not a relationship. That's informational. That's data transfer. I want personal knowledge. And if you don't want it, he's saying, or if you want it, I want you, please be honest with him. Talk to him. Ask him to come and to change you. And I believe he will. It may not be, you know, immediately evident, but if you call to him and speak to him, I believe with every ounce in my being, he will speak back and you will realize what you have been made for. Second difficulty I want to talk about. And this comes with the passage from John 14, 6. This is the hardest passage critics of Christianity have with it. This is a crazy, this is a crazy claim Jesus makes. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People can't stand this stuff. Right? They cannot stand absolutist claims of a savior figure. They will do anything, right, to cut his feet off. But you know what he says here? There's no halfway with me, and it's always only. There's no halfway with Jesus, and it's always I am the only exclusive way. And we live in this inclusive society. And this is heresy to the world. This freaks people out. But imagine Jesus came. Imagine you have a close friend and you're hanging out all the time. And one day your friend comes in and says, hey, it's great living together close in New York City, but I want you to know tomorrow I am moving to Seattle. Just to let you know. Wait, what? You're moving tomorrow? We're, we were close friends and you're doing that? Wait, I thought I was like a close friend. Why would that hurt? Well, I mean, I thought that we were like, we knew each other. And you're going to do this and make this life change? And I didn't know anything about it. You're doing it tomorrow? Wait, what, what is this? And Jesus says, look, that's how intimate I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to be number one so that there isn't anyone that is higher than I am. That is my standard. That's the way it works with me. That's the way the relationship works. And you want me to include all. There is no other. I am the one. I am the one to which everyone will worship and relate to. That's what Jesus is claiming. And when you think about that, I know what a lot of people say is, well, you know, I would never do that. I would never give my heart away like that. You know what someone could do if you're that vulnerable? Are you kidding me? You know how bad? I mean, if I give my heart to God, what if God doesn't, you know, meet me where I want to be met? Well, Lewis says, C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. He says, if you don't want your heart broken, give it to no one. 
then it won't be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Right? What is he saying? He's saying, look, if you want personal control, then you give up personal knowing. But if you want personal knowing, you have to give up personal control. You have to. Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth. And then he says, I am the life. It's like Jesus here is sending, is sending us a text that says, look, I'm not the help for your career. I am the reason for your career. You know, he's, he's saying like, I am not simply help for your life right now. I am the reason for your life. I am not help to get you up tomorrow morning. I am the reason you wake up in the morning. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the life. And then he goes, I am, I, what, I am the truth. You know what? My truth has to be bigger than your feelings, even in this room right now. Is my truth bigger than your feelings? Am I, is my truth bigger than public, than public opinion of you? Is my truth, he's saying, bigger than all those friends that never call you anymore? Because you've told them, you know what? I, you know, I found this relationship, and it's with a personal God. And I thought it was religion. I got that all wrong. But I... Like, talk to God, and God's my pal, man. And it's changed my life. And so, like, that relationship is the most important thing. In fact, it's weird, because now my wife's feeling weird, or, or my kids are feeling weird, but this is the most important thing, even over them. And so, you know what? Maybe things are going to be a little bit different, um, but that's okay. Because Jesus is saying, The truth of who I am and my personal connection is greater than your feelings. It's greater than public opinion. It's greater than your friend's opinion. Is that the case for you? Finally, he says, I'm the way. Jesus Jesus is saying, look, I am the way. How do you get let in to knowing the Father? Someone's got to open the door. You only can open it from the inside. And Jesus is saying, I'm on the inside And I have my handle on the door. And only I can open up the door and show you the way to the Father. All these other guys, there's competing truths. They're not truthful. I am. I can open up the door. So ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you, Jesus is saying. I am the only way. This isn't something you can play around with. Jesus comes to you and says, I am the way to the Father. Do you know a lot about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Philip, please tell me you know me. Because if you know me, then you do know, then you do know the Father. And you, why are you asking these questions? It's revealing, man. It's exposing. Maybe you're here this morning and stuff is just in the way. And... Maybe anger is in the way. Maybe your agenda is in the way. Maybe, hey, I, I need more training, Frank. I need more information. Okay. What Jesus is saying is like, cut them out. Tear every obstacle away from knowing me. If you need to know, if you feel like you've got a connection with me, but you don't know a lot about me, Well, if you know somebody personally, it's like 
He's saying, man, I'm in love with my wife, but I have no idea what her favorite color is or what, you know, where she even lived, who her parents. I don't know any information about her, but I, I just know we have this personal connection. That's what Bible study is for. You find out a ton about God, and that informs your connection with God, and it's beautiful. And the more stories that we read in the Bible and more insights we have on God, that informs your personal connection with Him. Everything revolves around that. And so, you know, I'm going to keep this simple. Do you know about Him or do you know Him? You know the relationships where it's transactional. A lot of data has been transferred, but there is no connection. And you know those relationships, that you have it. And God is saying to you, that's what I want. And I want to be the number one relationship that you have in your life. That's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. Last, last point. Last question. Okay, Frank, how do I know then if I really love him? I mean, how do I know for real if I really love him? Well, when you look at Scripture and you see the change that happens in people, you see it in three basic categories. You see what they believe in their mind, in their thoughts. God begins to change there. But it's not like they just understand things. It's that understanding then says, you know what? Frank, it was crazy, man. I was thinking about the Lord, and I was thinking about my family, and we finished like this great lasagna, lots of garlic bread with lots of butter on it. It was outstanding. And then you know what we didn't do? We didn't just run to the television and just find a movie or or veg out. I said, hey, um, I just want to read a real quick like parable that Jesus, a story Jesus told. And I was sitting there, and my son... Talk to me about the story of Jesus and the prodigal son. And it was the first time in a long time that I didn't talk to my kid about sports, or I didn't talk to my kid about the friends that he has, or the grades that he's getting. I talked to him about Jesus because I talk to Jesus a lot now. And then, you know, so, so, so my behavior was changing, and my thoughts were changing, and then not only that, but then my affect and my emotion, I started to feel something. And all those things were changing. And you know what he says? He says, look, um, the glory, this is St. Irenaeus in the, what, 200s, he said this, the glory of God is man fully alive. When your mind is knowing God, when you are changing in the way that you love your wife or love your daughter or love your neighbor, and you feel compassion and love for them, and you want what you actually want to go to the store for your wife because you realize, oh my goodness, wait a second, I have hope. I have hope. And you know what? There's a 12 year old boy in our community, Noah Pollock, who dies. And all the families in our community have to deal with that. And so I was asked, uh, Wednesday to go in front of this all-star team and they put NP on their jersey. And here are like 12, boy, 12, 11-year-old boys knowing this family. It's all, probably a number of you know them. Thinking like, what is my hope? What is my hope in this? Like, is there hope outside? Is there hope for this family? And what the Bible says is, yes. 
You don't have to fear that stuff. If you understand who Jesus is, when, when that understanding hits you and you begin to change the way you live, and I can give my life away now. And you know what? I can even, I can even stand knowing that uh, I don't have to have control over all this. And I'm, and I'm beginning to feel more. When those things happen, you know. You know you know him. But it's never just an intellectual exercise. It's never just an emotional thing. And it's never just a volitional, willful thing. It's all of those things that begin to move and exchange. Why in the world would I be sitting at breakfast and seeing this young dad say, I, I have not taken a sip of alcohol? And he starts weeping. And I had the sweetest conversation with my wife. And you know what? I'm doing well at work, but I don't really, doesn't, whatever I make, I make. And this guy said he felt freedom for the first time in a very, very long time. And I'm like, Jesus, this is it. Come down. Bring heaven to earth. Bring heaven down to this part of Tampa. May we understand this. But if we are fixated on an informational model of Christianity, we'll never get it. You have to know him personally, do you? If you know him, but there's these obstacles, he's saying, please tear them down. If this for you has just been information, maybe he's calling you to a real relationship and not just data transfer. I think he is. And it's beautiful and it's freeing. And you might look stupid to people that don't understand it. You may be called, you know, oh, are you going to turn into one of these freakish people? Well, if that's what you want to call me, yeah, okay. But all I know is that I was made for this relationship, and then I'm through that. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to love my community. I'm going to give back as best I can because of this relationship. And Jesus says, I want to be number one. I want to be the only thing. Where are you? Please help this, or please think about this in terms of how would God want to move in your life this this morning. Like, what, do you, what do you think he's saying? I, I don't know what personally he's saying to you, but I know he's talking. What change, what movement could you make? I pray that God is working and that God is moving. Maybe even some of you take a step to know him this morning. So let me pray and we'll be done. God, you're good and you are the way and the truth and the life and you bring us to know your father and you love your dad. You love your father so much and that, that love with the spirit It just all, um, yeah. So, God, if there is um, people that say, I won't won't ever give my heart away, show them the, the destination of an impenetrable, an irredeemable, isolated heart. That, yeah, they have control, but there's no joy. There's no risk. Um, There's no life. Show them the, the dead end of that. And may you call them to yourself. They will recognize what you've done for them on the cross. And that death. And that life. And they'll, they'll know it. God, they will, they will live it. And they will feel it. Please, God, do that in us. In your name, amen.